It's always going to kick when Gary introduces me because he always has something smart to say. Not that y'all would th- expect anything less from Gary, um, but he tells you you're in for a treat. I tell you that I'm just the filler guy because he needed a day off. Um, I try to set the bar really low. That way, you know, and he tries to build it up here, and then it leaves me like I got to get to that, and that's just not who I am at all. And so, um, but man, talking about the basics, I, I, when he told me what we were doing this month, it was pretty exciting to me because in my own personal time with the Lord, I've been kind of going through some of these things. And, and man, when he was talking earlier today about the anxiety and the apprehension that parents and teachers and administrators are feeling about sending their kids back to school, I don't think that's just with school. I think that in our society today, because of the environment in which we live, there's a lot of anxiety and apprehension and a lot of convolutedness. I don't even know if that's a word, but it is now because I made it up. There's a lot of convolutedness in our world, and, and so we need to kind of be reminded of the basics. And unfortunately, a lot of that anxiety and apprehension and convolutedness has made its way into the church. And then you take the fact that you add that into the church. And we've already, let's just be straight for a minute. We've already complicated Christianity in our churches today. Would you agree with me on that? Like we've made it difficult. For example, I walked in today and Gary being the encourager that he is, I'm going to start calling him Barnabas, being the encourager that he is, looks at me and says, why'd you dress up? Think you're going to First Baptist? Okay, first of all, no one will ever, ever, ever confuse Action Church with First Baptist anywhere. Like, and all God's people said amen to that. Right? So, that's, that's his encouragement. What'd you dress up for? Well, because well, they were jeans and it was a shirt. That's why, okay? So, but the reality is I dressed up because I can hide my fat rolls this way. But beside the point, we're here and... We've convoluted Christianity. We've made it complicated in our churches. I remember when I was on staff at a church, I had a pastor one time who made the comment that it was our job as Christians, as church leaders, to present to Christ a pure church. And that stuck in my crawl, that's a country expression, that stuck in my crawl for years, and it did not come until recently as to what bothered me so much about that. The more that I study scripture, the more that I read the text, the more I find that Jesus is not asking those of us who are his followers to present him a pure church. He'll do the purifying. That's his role. He's asking us to quit using a cop out to reach those who are dis- who are different, damaged and messed up. That's what he's asking us to do. And so when we look at the text today, we need to get back to the basics. There was an old Aaron Tippin country song that said, you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Now, I would have sung that, but after hearing the band sing, I realized that I don't sound near as good even in the shower as I thought I did. But he said, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And unfortunately, in the church, we've adapted that mentality or adopted that mentality, and we think that we have to make sure everybody knows where we stand on everything. The world knows, those of us who are followers of Christ, we have made it abundantly clear what we're against. They know where we stand politically, they know where we stand theologically, they know where we stand eschatologically, but what they don't often know is what it is that we are for. And let me explain before we ever get into it, that following Christ is not about being able to have a check mark that the world knows what you're against. It's about having a relationship with the one who can bring you hope and a future. And that's what we want to talk about when we're talking about 
the basics. When we, when we get away from the basics, when everybody knows what we are against, and when everybody knows the things that we can't stand, and when everybody knows all of the antis about us, but they can't list for you what we're for, we lose our distinction. And when we lose our distinction, we lose our purpose. And when we lose our purpose, we lose the hope that sets us apart. Man, there are people, some of you were one of those people at one time who you were hurting and you had a past and you had a habit or you had a hang up and somebody told you about Jesus and you began a relationship with him. You began to follow him and when you began to follow him, he took whatever your mess was and he began to turn it into making the masterpiece that is now your life. And you got away from that somewhere or we ignore it and we forget what the basics are. And so, man, I know over the next few weeks, Gary's going to talk to you about some specifics of the basics. Today, I'm just going to talk to you, man. The number one basic of following Christ is you got to hang out with Jesus. It's just hanging out with Jesus. Man, I made the mistake about a week and a half ago of getting back on Twitter. Because Facebook makes me sick. Because I read these things that some of you share. And I look at them and I'm like, you're smarter than that. Like you, like five seconds you could Google, is this true? And you share it anyway. Like the world's imploding tomorrow. You share that. Like the doomsday clock was wrong. The Mayan was dyslexic. It's 2021. Like Google something before you. So I got back on Twitter. Because I thought that would help my blood pressure. I was wrong. Because the people that I followed on Twitter years ago were people in ministry. And the people I followed on Twitter were people in ministry who now have platforms. And the platforms that they have, they like to spout off all of these things that I'm talking about, about what we're against and so on and so forth. And then they talk about their discipleship plans. And for many of them, discipleship means you go through a 12-week, 13-week, 8-week, 6-week plan and you complete this book and now you're a disciple. Let me explain something to you. I'm going to teach you a theological term I learned in seminary. That's hogwash. We don't need plans. We need to hang out with Jesus. We don't need to go through this book or go through that book as though this book isn't enough for what we need. We just need to spend some time hanging out with Jesus. And over the next several weeks, Gary's going to talk to you about what that looks like. Today, I'm going to talk to uh, specifically, today I'm going to talk to you about some characteristics of hanging out with Jesus. But let's look in the Bible. In, in Mark chapter 2, there's a passage that I love. Um, it, it's right after Jesus has healed this paralytic. We've, I think I've probably preached this message here before about Jesus, his, the, the, the paralytic guy, his friends, you know, they bring him to Jesus. They can't get him in, so they tear the roof off the house and they lower him down so Jesus can forgive his sins. But the Pharisees are tripping about that because they're Christians and they're like, you just tore the roof off our building. And he's like, what are you doing? And Jesus said, okay, well, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk but so that you may know who, that I am who I am. I tell you, get up and walk. The dude gets up, rolls his bed up and takes off walking. The Pharisees are like, whoa, right? And so then the next passage that comes right after that is the passage we're going to look at today. Mark chapter 2, verse 13, God's word says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, Levi's name is also Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the table at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up and followed him. When he, while he was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, 
they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, I have to, before we even get into it, I just want you to see something. Jesus calls Levi, Matthew, goes to his house and eats. There's a lot of disciples around. The Pharisees see this. Look at what the text says, though, that happens. The Pharisees, who were in the same vicinity as Jesus and who could have asked Jesus themselves, why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors, instead chose to ask his disciples. They had the same opportunity to hang out with Jesus, and instead of doing that, they chose to go and talk to his disciples. Why is that? And we're going to look at that this morning. Here's why. Number one, hanging out with Jesus demands honesty and transparency. Hanging out with Jesus means you've got to drop the shell that we put up, right? How many of you have ever had a shell or hid something that you didn't want everybody else to know? So when Jesus comes to Levi and he says, or to Matthew, and he says, hey, follow me. Matthew is a tax collector. Now, now Levi's a tax collector. Now, let me kind of give you the backstory of what's happening. Levi, as a Jewish citizen, had gone to work for Rome as a tax collector. And tax collectors, Jewish tax collectors for Rome, let's say that Rome required 10%. Well, the ta- they didn't care what the tax collectors did. As long as Rome got their 10%, you could charge 20, you could charge 40, you could charge 50. And so it was very... Uh, the tax collectors, the Jewish tax collectors were very much looked down upon by other Jews because they, they were sellouts and they were frauds. They were thieves. And so he was looked down upon. Jesus already knew all of this about Levi. Jesus already knew who Levi was and Jesus already knew what Levi was doing. And yet he still says, follow him. And we see that Levi gets up. He doesn't say, but wait, you don't know my past. You don't know my baggage. You don't know my background. You don't know my hurt. You don't know my habit and you don't know my hang-up. Instead, what he says is he just gets up and he follows him. He chooses to leave that behind and to be open, honest, and real with Jesus. Can I tell you that if we're going to get to the basics, the first thing we got to do is we got to drop the facade. We got to be honest and transparent with Jesus because, oh, by the way, he already knows. He already knows the deepest part of your heart, the deepest part of your life, the things that you struggle with, he already knows. Now, some of you are going to say, Grady, you know that Action Church is the most unpretentious place that you will ever preach, and you were probably absolutely 100% correct. But here's what I also know. I also know this message is being broadcast online, and there will be somebody, even if they just want to gripe about the fact that I'm on a stage. By the way, just so you know, there is someone who literally, every time I preach online, likes to go in and leave an angry face or a comment or something because of my baggage and my background, okay? Can you get how miserable a life must be that someone can't let the Lord speak to them today because of something that happened in my past? So the reason that I'm saying drop the facade is maybe some of you need to do that, but I promise you some who are watching this need to do that. Drop the facade. If you're going to get to the basics of who Jesus has called us to be, by the way, why are the basics so important? If we don't have our distinction, then the gospel loses its attraction. See, the attraction of the gospel is not the cool lights and the smoke and the great tunes and the great band and the normal good speakers, unlike me. The the, the attraction of the gospel is the power and the hope that it brings to take that which was damaged or destroyed and make it new. The power of the gospel is to take that which has hopelessness and give it hope. The power of the gospel is the good news that whatever is in your background, whatever is in your past, 
does not have to define you, but there is someone who says you can have my name and my identity and his name is Jesus. That's the power. That's why these basics are so important because we've got to have the power of the gospel. Apart from that, we have nothing. So the first thing you have to do is be honest and transparent with who Jesus is. So what does that look like? It means when you go in your room at night and you pray or you open your Bible or when that that, that still small voice speaks to your heart and convicts you about that thing or prods you to do that nice thing for that someone, it means you drop all of the excuses, you drop all of the whatever, and you say, here I am, Lord. Like Isaiah said, who will, the Lord said, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. It means you're willing to say, Lord, I'm going to drop everything and let you see me as I really am. That's hard for us in our society to do because in our society, we live in a place that wants to put our best foot forward all the time. And the Lord wants to see us, wants us to let him see us as we really are. Because when we get real about where we are, that's when he can begin to work in our lives. I I always use the example of fitness because I try to, I'm into fitness. Like the dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, fitness in my mouth. But like, we're into, like, but here's the reality, like nothing changes if nothing changes. And so you never make a change in your health until you get to a point where you're honest about what your health is. You never make a change in your finances until you get to a place where you're honest about what your finances are. You never make a change in your life until the point you get that you're honest about where you are. And the same is true if you're going to hang out with Jesus. You've got to be honest about where you are. Jesus, I'm struggling to believe this part of you. Like, like I grew up in churches that said you can't question God. Like if God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Here's the reality. God says it, that settles it. It doesn't matter whether I believe it. But does that mean that I can't? Ask God questions because I look at the Old Testament book of Job and Job, man, who who faced all kinds of problems and Job questioned God like it's like Jesus doesn't want us to say, okay, he wants us. If we got questions, let me tell you this. He's big enough to answer your questions like nothing that you ask him is going to shake him. Like he's not going to be shook. Because you decide to ask him something you don't understand or you challenge or you quit your question by something like he can handle it. So be honest and be transparent with him. Say, God, I'm struggling to trust you in my finances. I'm struggling to trust you in my relationship. I'm struggling to trust you in this area. And, and you know what? He can handle that. I think we need to be reminded of that. If we're going to hang out with Jesus. The second thing about hanging out with Jesus that I would tell us is that it demands conversation. I know Gary's going to talk more about prayer going forward, but man, Matthew and Jesus had conversation. They go to dinner and, and they're eating dinner at the house. And so there's conversation taking place. Like, like, have you ever gone out on a date with someone and they were on their phone the whole time and they were, and they, they were never talking to you? Anybody ever done that? Lindsay, put your hand down. Like, yes, we do that. And it, it like, there's conversation taking place, but it's not with, uh, with the person you're with. And so you're like, well, we just went out to eat and nothing happened, right? Like, what? why? Because we're not having conversation with the person that we're with. And part of conversation is me talking, but part of conversation is also me listening. And one of the things that we struggle with, I think, when it comes to conversation with Jesus, is we struggle on that listen part. Like, how many of your prayer, how many of your, you, your prayer life sounds like this? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Thank you for the amazing time that we've had. 
please help me with A, B, C, D, and fill in the blank a laundry list of items. Anybody else's prayer life sound like that? Like I get convicted when I think about this because that's how mine sounds often. Like I admit it, like my prayer life sounds like me going and telling God what I want or need, but it's not a lot of me listening. And conversation is a two-way street. And without a two-way street, we're really not hanging out with Jesus. We're just dropping off the laundry like a college kid coming home on the weekend and saying, hey, I'll pick this up Sunday on the way back to the dorm. Right? Conversation means we stop and we listen. And we're willing to allow him to speak to us. We're willing to allow him to speak to us. So Matthew's there. They're having dinner. All these people are around. All these disciples are around. The Pharisees see what's going on. And they're like, Wait a minute. They go to Jesus' disciples and they ask him, why is he eating with these people? Jesus says, it's not the sick, or it's not the righteous who need a doctor, but it's the sick. Now, we forget that sometimes. And by the way, I mentioned they had the same opportunity, but they chose to not hang out with Jesus. They chose to hang out with somebody else. Hanging out with Jesus not only demands honesty and transparency and demands conversation, it also demands our time. It demands time. Now, in most established traditional churches, this would mean get your butt up and come to church every time the doors are open. That's not what this means. Time means we're spending time with Jesus, whether that's in these four walls with Jesus and his people, or whether that means we're on our job or in our car on the way to our job, or whether that means we're at our home. It means we're spending time with Jesus. We're in, in growing in our relationship with him. We're hanging out together because we get to know him better. He knows, he already knows us, but that relationship grows as we hang out with him and we spend time with him. I think many of us, I used to, I used to drive through this one area uh, of, of Texas years ago, and there was a church that had this, this banner out front that said, 30-minute drive-through worship. And I never, like, grasped that. It was like, if you're too busy, we have a 30-minute drive-through. Like, my question is, I know we're busy, and sometimes our oxes get in the ditch, and we, there are things that we have to do. But the, if we're going to grow, like, part of this relationship with the Lord is you got to spend time with Him. Unfortunately, in our church culture, what we have done too often is we have moved following Christ from a relational thing to a ritualistic thing. And can I tell you that what sets Christianity apart from every other world religion is that we are the antithesis of, of ritualism we are based completely upon relationship and if you don't develop and grow the relationship then what you have is nothing more than ritualistic religion and ritualistic religion is empty of its power and the whole concept of christianity is that there is i think we sang it today hang on let me remember there is that was it that was the word power what in the name of jesus because that's the whole idea of who Christ is. There's hope. There's power to break the chains that ensnare and enslave us. There's power. And you develop that as we hang out and spend time with him. I think a lot of us, it's easier for us to have a checklist than it is to pause and spend time with the God of the universe. Because we get so busy and so wrapped up. I was talking to someone yesterday who said that over the last several months, with everybody being quarantined and being at home, like the home improvement stores are not able to keep treated lumber on the shelves. 
because they either have the government cheese and they're able to hire somebody to come do the jobs, or they got time on their hand now, so they're doing all these honeydew lists. And man, have any of you gotten stuck doing honeydew lists? Just me? Okay. I got a lot, and I didn't even get quarantined. She made me buy a new house and move. But the point that I'm saying is we have all this, we, we always say we need more time, and then we have more time, and what do we do with that time? We fill it up with a lot of junk. I mean, honestly, is it not junk? A lot of it? We keep going, spend time. so it demands time. It not only demands time, but it demands vulnerability. Matthew had to be willing, Levi had to be willing to put himself out there to hang out with Jesus because he already knew how the rest of the Jews felt about him. He knew how the Pharisees and the scribes felt about him. He was looked down upon. He was cast aside. In fact, we see in this text, I have to tell you, the Pharisees' reaction here reminds me, and I hate to say this because there are people who get mad at me, but the Pharisees' reaction reminds me more of the established church reaction to most people with a background coming to Christ today. But let me tell you something, that what the world or even the church trashes, Christ treasures. What the world trashes, or even the church, Christ treasures. What do you mean Christ treasures? Well, listen, Jesus calls Levi, who's a Jew, who knows all of the background. He grew up in the same synagogues as the Pharisees and the scribes. He grew up having the same education, but yet he turned his back and sold out to the Romans to be a fraudulent tax collector. But yet this very same Levi, this very same Matthew, wrote the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, that was targeted at a Jewish audience to show how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. So Jesus took this guy who the world and the church would trash, and he turned his trash into treasure for something that would be used for generations to come to explain Jesus as the Messiah. Can I tell you that when your life is a mess and you're willing to be vulnerable with the Lord, when your life is a mess, that he takes your mess and turns that into a masterpiece, whether you can see it right now or not. Whether you can see it right now or not, Jesus has the power to turn the mess of your past into a masterpiece. And it's hard for us to grasp that when we're in the middle of the battle. But when we're vulnerable and we let the Lord, man, just have complete access and control before us, not only was he vulnerable before the Lord, Levi was vulnerable before the people around him. Like they, like he was opening himself up, himself up to be castigated. He was opening himself up to be looked down upon. He was opening himself up to have stones thrown at him, you know, both physically and uh, meta- metaphorically. It's advanced vulnerability if we're going to hang out with Jesus. You're like, Grady, why would we want to hang out with Jesus? You're telling us what all this hanging out with Jesus with, with Jesus demands. Why are you wanting to, to say, why would I want to hang out with Jesus because of this? Because at the end of the day, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Christ. Bottom line, if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Like, that's what this is about. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church, how many times you play in a band, it doesn't matter. Any of it. If you don't have Jesus, man, then you have nothing. And so at the basics, Christ is the basic. Demands vulnerability. Another thing about, about hanging out with Jesus that I really love is that it demands a willingness to be challenged. This one was huge for me. So a little over three years ago, I walked through that back door. 
came into a back table. I sat down, got here late or ish, left early ish, and started coming. And like I remember, I left here, and a buddy of mine had told me about Action Church. And he's in Texas, and he keeps up with Action Church online. Had kept up with Gary for a number of years. Like back in the day, let me just tell you how much of like a, I don't know. Back in the day when we were all in seminary, and Gary was starting another church at another part of town. So that tell you a long time ago, right? We all used to sit in seminary classes and not pay attention to lectures because they were boring. And we would scroll through Twitter and we would keep up with the hottest church plants in the country. And we came across this church that was here and we kept up with all this. And so over the years, I had lost track, but my buddy had kept up with Gary and Gary's story. And so when I went through my junk, he said, hey, you need to go. How far are you from Canton? I told him, hey, you need to go there. So I came here that Sunday. I snuck in the back. And I remember I snuck in back there and I left. And when I, on my way home, it was like an hour and 15, hour and a half home. I remember driving home and I'm trying to think to myself, like, I'm critiquing. I'm doing what most pastors do. I'm critiquing the service. Like, I'm critiquing the music. Like, I don't really understand everything that they do. I'm critiquing Gary because, like, when I met Gary and then I hear Gary say the word A-M-E-N, like, he doesn't say it the way that it says, like it's pronounced. If you ever heard Gary say amen, it's not amen. It's amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I, 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 like my buddy listened to his his podcast after that week. I said, "He got to just check it out." Because I, I, I was, we were talking about it, and and he was like, he hit me back, and he he said, "You know, I got to tell you," he said, "That is really not what I expected him to sound like at all." He said, "So is this like a redneck church?" And I was like, "No." He said, "Well, how would you describe it?" I said, "Well, I would describe it as blue collar redneck meets biker meets." Anybody that doesn't fit anywhere else. That's how I would describe it. And so as we began to have this conversation, it challenged me. And, and so not just because Action Church challenged me, but it began over the last number of years, I've been walking through this journey of, wait a minute, all of these preconceived notions I have about faith. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to be willing to let Jesus be the Lord of those preconceived notions. And those preconceived notions, I have to be willing to be challenged. Like, that may mean that I'm going to be challenged to serve in ways that I've never served before. That may mean that I'm going to be challenged to do things in a community. It may mean that I'm going to be challenged to see people differently than I've seen people before. It may mean that I'm going to be challenged in whatever capacity. But if you're going to hang out with Jesus, one thing's for sure. I can promise you, if you hang out with the Jesus of the Bible long enough, you will be challenged. You will be challenged. You will see that person who you're like, man, I don't know what in the world God has going on in their life or in their world, but God's going to challenge you in some way if you hang out with Jesus long enough. You're going to be challenged. The disciples right here, they grew up with the same background as the Pharisees, the same belief system as the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're seeing Jesus eat with sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees asked them, why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? And they're probably blown away just as much. They're probably just as challenged. The difference is they've hung out with Jesus enough to know, I may not know everything, but I know what this dude's doing is real. I don't have to know all of the background to know that everything about him. I just know this. I just saw him raise a dude up that was crippled from birth. I just saw him tell a dude his sins were forgiven. Oh, by the way, I'm going to see him feed 5,000 with a couple of fish and some loaves. Oh, by the way, they had, they had spent enough time with Jesus that they gave him the benefit of the doubt and allowed him to challenge them because 
They didn't know all of the background. They just knew Jesus. Can I tell you, if you're going to hang out with Jesus, you don't have to know all the background and all the theological intricacies. All you got to know is I'm hanging out with Jesus. You don't have to know all of the, 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 the terms that we like to throw out in theology to tell people that we've got more education than we can pay for. All you got to know is I'm hanging out with Jesus. And he may challenge you in that. But guess what? If he challenges you, you grow. If he challenges you, you become stronger. If he challenges you, then you become more mature. If he challenges you, then guess what? You get to move forward. Not only do you have to have a willingness to be challenged. Gary's never going to let me come back, so I'm going to finish in like 15 minutes. If y'all have kept up with my Facebook page, I do like sermonettes every Sunday. So if I have to preach more than 20 minutes, man, like, I don't know what to do. Gary's going to be like, you suck. You're never coming back. They expect me to let them out in less than an hour now. That was the other thing my buddy told me that day that I, that I came here. My buddy told me, he was like, dude, he preached for an hour solid. And I'm like, I know. He's like, was it boring? And I'm like, no, like it was, it wasn't boring. I just, I kept getting, like the flip-flops kept getting to me. That was the one thing that I noticed. I kept trying to go back to my, Good, like I was trying to come up with a theological application for the flip-flops and him kicking them off. I'm like, he must preach barefoot because he's standing on holy ground, you know? So I'm thinking about that song, Holy Ground, and, and I'm thinking, that must be what it is. And the more I'm around Gary, I realize that's probably not it. It's probably not it at all, come to think of it. But the point being, it challenged me. And here's the crazy thing about that. Like, I guess, I guess where I'm going with that, and it's hard for those of us in this environment to see it because we accept challenge readily, or maybe it's not that we accept challenge, we accept different readily. But what I can tell you is that if we're going to hang out with Jesus, we have to be willing to be challenged because that's going to occur. Like, and I'm using my own story, but when I walked in here, I was challenged that day, and I had a choice to make. Do I not go back because I'm, I saw something different than what I'm accustomed to? Or do I allow myself to continue to be challenged so that I grow? You know, and, and I'll have to be honest, man, we live in a society today, like I said to begin, we live in a society today that says the world knows everything we're against. Like we know I'm against the, Christ, Christianity is against this, it's against this, or the church is against this, it's against this. And yet they don't know that we're for Jesus. They know that we're against these things, but they don't know that we're for Jesus. And unfortunately, when all the world hears us talk about is what we're against, they equate the fact that Jesus is not just against those things. He's against the people who represent those things. And can I tell you, if you ever hear anyone tell you that Jesus is against a person, then you need to look them in the eye and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Because scripture says that Jesus died to pay the penalty for all sin. Even those who are enemies of God, Paul says, of whom you and I were once one. We were once enemies of God. Well, but my sin is different than their sin because that, that, no, man, horse, horse wash, hogwash, baloney. Sin is sin is sin is sin. And can I tell you that if you're going to allow yourself to be challenged, Jesus is going to grow you into a person that will love like he loves that will extend grace like he extends grace? I don't know about you, but if you've ever screwed up so bad that it cost you everything in your life, am I the only one? If you've ever screwed up so bad that it cost you literally everything in your life, 
and then you experienced God's grace again when he did not say to you, you're done like others did. Man, that was the one thing, and I keep going back to that day, not to like, not to like brag on Gary, but I keep going back to that day because it was a challenge to me. The, the day that I came here that first time, it was the week, the Sunday after my junk had come out. And when my junk came out, I can tell you, I had tons of people tell me that I was done. And Gary, who had never met me from Adam, the first thing he said to me was, you're not done. You're not finished. You're not finished. Second thing he said to me was, for about the next two to three years, you're going to work the crappiest job you've ever worked in your entire life. And he was right on both of both points. But the reason that I say that is because it challenged me. Because all week, all I had been told was that I was done. I was finished. My life was over. I had no hope. Everything was gone. And Gary reminded me of something. That the calling that God puts on your life is without repent. God doesn't take a calling off of your life after he puts a calling onto your life. He, he chooses to take our mess and make it into his masterpiece. He chooses to take the ashes of our past and use them to become the platform for our praise. He chooses to take the ashes of our past and use them to become the platform of our praise. And by the way, very often, it's in this moment that when we're allowing ourselves to be challenged, that he takes that the ashes of our past and he uses them to become the platform of our praise, not just for him, but so that the rest of the world sees that not what I did or not what you did to restore your life, but what he did to bring us back from the ashes of our past. If you're going to follow Jesus, hang out with Jesus, you've got to allow yourself to be challenged. And man, that means in everything. In everything. Allow yourself to be challenged. Hanging out with Jesus also causes you to see things from a bigger perspective. The disciples who had grown up in the same Jewish background as, as Jesus or as the Pharisees, they also were in this perspective where why is he hanging out with the sinners? Why is he hanging out with the tax collectors? Like the Pharisees, they probably had the same questions, but the Pharisees were the one who asked the question. The Pharisees asked the questions, however, as you and I know, in a very condemning manner, and yet they're asking these questions, and Jesus answers the question by saying it's not the righteous who need a doctor, but it's the sick. They're seeing things from a bigger perspective. Man, one of the things that I have learned over the last number of years, man, being a truck driver, I joke about being a job that just is terrible and I'm gone all the time. But I have to be honest, being a truck driver has done a couple of things. It let me have a lot of windshield time to get some things right with me and God. I get to hang out with Jesus a lot. You know what I mean? I get to spend a lot of time with Jesus. Being a truck driver allowed me to provide for my family when I didn't know how else I'd do it. Being a truck driver has allowed me to meet a group of people that I never would have come into contact with. Like my life before becoming a truck driver was I spent a lot of time at the gym because everybody at our church went to this gym and I hung out with all of them and I got to talk. And my son, who's here today, will, will tell you, don't ever go to the gym with Grady if he has his phone or if it's a, in a town where he knows people because his phone will ring in the middle of a set and he'll have to take the call or there'll be people there he knows and he's going to stop and talk to them. Like yesterday, he was trying to teach me as we were walking around the festival he said, I'm going to teach you a class on salutations. I said, okay, is that a, it, it, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, you stop and talk to too many people. It's like, oh yeah, good to see you and keep walking. And that's just not me. But so what driving a truck did was it gave me the opportunity to see people in a different light. So he rode me back in April and we got to hang out um, out in Denver one night. We're hanging out in Denver and this dude's sitting next to us. Like I had the grill out, I'm cooking. This dude in the truck next to us is 
he's sitting in his driver's seat or passenger seat of his truck and he's kicking back a few a few cold beer and we're sitting there we're eating I don't know we're eating pork chops or chicken or steak or something because here's my deal on that if I have to be on the road away from my family I'm eating good life is too short to eat bad food like this truck stop had a Popeye's and a Burger King I had a grill we ate good all right so we're sitting out there we're cooking we're grilling we're talking to this guy and, and so as we're talking, he's like, man, how long have you been driving? I told him, so what did you do before? I told him, so I was a pastor. Man, that opened his door. And I got to hear this guy's entire story. I got to hear his battle, uh, the battle that he had. The guy was actually a retired DEA agent who had gotten wrapped up into meth as a DEA agent. Got to hear his journey, his story. Got to hear what he had lost in his life. Dude still hits me up and texts me every so often and is like, hey, man, um, what about so-and-so? And we just have conversations. I never would have met that guy. And it allows me to see things. I don't see that guy now as just a truck driver who's out on the road for months at a time. I see that dude as that was a divine appointment. Me being in Denver that night wasn't just because I got held over because they didn't get my truck out of the shop. I was there that night because there was a divine appointment for me to interact with this dude. Like, you see it from a bigger picture when you're hanging out with Jesus. Like, you see life differently when you hang out with Jesus. Uh, another story, we were, uh, I was out a couple weeks ago, and, and so I'll just be straight with y'all. When I'm out, if I'm in Nashville, if I ever spend the night in Nashville, I'm going downtown to Lower Broadway, because if you've never been to Lower Broadway in Nashville, I'll pray for you. You need to go. It's an experience. So I'm sitting in this bar listening to music one night, and this dude comes up beside me, and I, he keeps looking at me. And I'm that guy, like if a dude is looking at me too hard, it's like, do I swing or do I talk? Because I'm not real sure in our culture today um, what he's looking at me for. Like, is the guy trying, is like, does he think he can take me? Like, is he fixing to fight me? Or do I need to swing on him? Or is he just as lonely as I am? And this dude just out of the blue starts talking to me. And so I get to talking to him. Come to find out the dude is the bass player for the country band Shenandoah. We start talking, texting. He texted me yesterday. I said, hey, when are you back in Nashville? I said, I don't know. But we have these conversations. But through that conversation, I got to hear his journey in the professional music world. He got to hear my journey. I got to hear how he grew up in a certain denomination type of churches that he no longer feels welcome in because of the beliefs that he holds and the baggage and the background of his. Because when you hang out with Jesus, it allows you to see things from a bigger perspective. And you don't see people based on the label that the world puts on them. You see people based on the future that Jesus has created for them. If we're going to get back to the basics, the first thing is we got to hang out with Jesus. And that just, man, hanging out with is so simple. Like, Grady, how do you have a... Like, I'm trying to figure this out, too. How do you have a 45-minute message on just something so simple as hanging out with Jesus? Like, I get so angry. I, I, I told Lindsay the other day, I have to get off Twitter because if I get if I stay on Twitter, I'm going to end up planting a church that attacks everybody. No, no I'm just kidding. I won't attack anybody. But I'm going to end up, like, getting banned because I won't keep my mouth shut when I see these things that people say about what discipleship looks like. Here's the reality. You can't quantify what discipleship looks like, but I can give you the characteristics of what a disciple does. I can't tell you if you do A, B, C, and D in X amount of time, you should be at this. What I can tell you is if you hang out with the Jesus of the Bible, it's going to challenge you. It's going to cause you to see people from a different perspective. It's going to demand time. It's going to demand energy. It's going to demand that you're willing to, and this is crazy, when I say 
be challenged. What I really mean is, what I really mean is, it's going to demand that you're willing to be wrong. It's going to demand, and one of the things that we live with in our society is people don't want to accept when they're wrong. Have y'all ever noticed? Like, how many of you like walking up and say, "Well, I was wrong." We don't like that, do we? But if you're going to hang out with Jesus and He is all truth, then there are going to be times when we're off and when we're off base and when we miss it. And yet, the crazy thing is, He still wants to hang out with us, even when we're going to be wrong. I get so frustrated because I see that people get upset, and I get I see people get pimping for lack of a better term, I don't know if I can say pimping from the pulpit, but I am. I see people pimping their discipleship program or product when, man, the basics are we just hang out with Jesus. We just hang out with Jesus. But how do we do that? Well, that's pretty simple too. Gary's going to talk about it in the next few weeks, but you spend time in praise, spend time in his word, and you extend grace like he extends grace. He's going to talk about those things over the next few weeks. But, but man, you've got to be willing to do that. There are some of you in this place today who probably, like myself and others, feel as though you would not be welcome in other places because of your past. Feel as though maybe you wouldn't be welcome because of the baggage that you think you once had. Man, someone told me yesterday, listen, you have handled your issues with the Lord. They're no longer your issues. He's taking care of that. And some of us need to be reminded of that. Maybe it's just me, but I think some of us need to be reminded of that almost daily. That maybe we are trash in the eyes of others, but we're treasures in the eyes of the one who matters. Maybe our mess, maybe our mess is too messy for somebody else. But man, it's the, it's the beginning of a masterpiece for the creator. It's the beginning of a masterpiece. He said, well, Grady, that just allows you to glorify sin. You just make a great one-liner, that allows you to glorify sin. No, it doesn't. Because I'm not saying go out and make a mess and see what God does with it. I'm saying if you've already screwed your life up, if you've already made mistakes, and you've already got baggage, what I'm saying is this, that baggage doesn't define you, but the mess that you made is what the Lord is going to take and mold into a masterpiece for Him. Because here's the reality, when we screw our lives up, and then God makes something great out of it, then what that says is it's not Grady, it's not Gary, it's not you, it's not you, it's not me, it's not her, it's not him. It can only be Jesus taking that mess and turning it into a masterpiece. Hey, listen, when we talk about the Lord doing something crazy awesome in our lives, it's about because we hang out with him. I got to tell you, man, when I'm talking about hanging out with Jesus, seeing things from a bigger perspective or a bigger picture, I'm talking about we see things with the eternal in mind. As I thought about this last night, I'm laying in bed, and so I'm laying in bed, got my eyes closed. Lindsay thought I was snoring, but I really wasn't. I was thinking about my sermon today. And and so I'm thinking about this, and I get to this point, allows you to see things from a bigger picture. And the thing that keeps coming back in my mind is what I started with. How many people that the Lord wanted to do crazy, amazing things in their lives for them and for others has the church run off because they didn't match the image we thought they needed to match? And we used the cop-out of, well, we're just trying to present a pure church to the Lord. How many people have we run off? How many people have we turned back to their abusive relationship? How many people have we turned back to their addictive behavior? How many people have we turned back 
to their bad decisions and their habits and their hangups that God wanted to set free and not only set free for them, but so that their life could be a, a masterpiece for someone else, a testimony for someone else, a power for someone else. How many people has the Lord wanted to do a crazy awesome thing in their life, but we've turned them away because they were different, damaged, or difficult? I sat in the back seat of a, of, a, of a police cruiser one time. No, it was not because of me. I was on staff at a church in a small town in Texas. It's a Sunday night service. Back then, we still had Sunday night services in small Baptist churches. It's a Sunday night service. And about halfway through the sermon, this dude comes walking like through the center aisle. Comes and he stops about three aisles, three pews from, maybe two pews from, from the front. And when I say walking, I really mean staggering. So this dude comes walking, staggering in and sits down. And it's pretty apparent to everybody that he is severely inebriated. So the, the pastor finishes the service. And we had uh, two brothers who were, one was a city cop, one was a county cop. And one of them had his um, patrol vehicle with him. And this guy, we were talking to him and he was telling us where he lived. And they were like, yeah, we'll give you a ride home. We want to make sure you get home safely. We don't want you trying to drive or walk or whatever. So it's about 15 miles outside of town. So we load him up in the police cruiser. Well, they tell me, hey, why don't you go with us? Now, mind you, I'm like 21 at the time. Maybe I, I may not even be 21. I may only be like 20. I don't know. But I'm a young guy, pretty naive. And there are two trained law enforcement officers. Where do you think they sat? Not in the back. So I sit in the back with this dude, and, and I'm trying to talk to him because I don't know any better. I don't, I don't know. So I'm talking to this dude, and he's getting car sick, and, and I know some of you are going to go eat in a minute, so I won't go into the rest of the details. But let's just say he'd eaten some egg salad sandwiches, and it was rough. So we get him to his place, man, and on the way back, these guys are just like just ripping into this dude after we dropped him off. Well, I'm more frustrated at them because they made me sit in the back with him. Like, they're the ones with handcuffs and guns. But they made me sit in the back with him. They're like, we didn't want him to, like, go crazy and try to take us out. Y'all are trained. But, they put me, but man, that, that story always sticks out in my mind because it, I think in that day I began to see things in a different perspective. Like, for what, like, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, that dude staggered into that church that night. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why, but that dude staggered into that church that night. I don't know why, but I have a, a buddy who I, I was on staff with at a church in, in Oklahoma. And, man, I used to, I remember we would go, like, into the city. And when we go into the city, you'd be homeless people standing on the, on the side of the road. And I remember up until that point, everybody I'd served on staff with, if we saw homeless people, they always made some kind of snide comment about the homeless person. This buddy stopped, reached into his back seat, grabbed a gallon-sized Ziploc that had toothbrush, toothbrush toothpaste, razor, some non-perishable food items, a couple other things, and handed it to the dude. Didn't say anything, just said, hey man, here. And I was like, wait a minute, like, that's a different perspective. That's somebody who had hung out with Jesus and didn't see that guy as a drag on society. Instead, he saw that guy as someone that Jesus loved and cared about, and we ought to be the body and care about also. You see, that's what I mean when I say it allows us to see things from a bigger perspective. And I think if we're going to get back to the basics and hang out with Jesus, man, if, if there were ever a time when the world needs to see the church at large understand the basics, it's in a time when the world is in such a, a time of chaos like it is right now. 
I mean, let's just shoot straight for a minute. I'm probably the most apolitical person you know. But I'm going to say this. It doesn't, no matter where you turn, you hear this is fake, this is real. This is a conspiracy, this is not. This is, we live in a world full of chaos. And the one constant that can remain true through the chaos is the Jesus you and I profess to know. And if the, what we need in our own lives right now to ground us, I mean, think about it. We talk about what the world needs us to be. Let's just shoot straight. You and I need some groundingness in the chaos, don't we? We need to have something that's going to anchor us in the chaos. And that is getting back to the basics so that we can remember. You say, Greg, it's really easy to talk about Matthew's life, Levi's life turning into a masterpiece, but what does that have to do with me? Here's what it has to do with you. When I look at the Bible in its totality, I find that there's a passage of Scripture that says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all missed the mark that Jesus had for us. We all missed the mark. We've all messed up. Then I find there's another passage. If I keep reading in that same book, I go about three chapters over, and I find that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, that for what we have earned as a result of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What it's saying is you and I, we all deserve death because we've missed the mark, but yet Jesus loved us enough that even while we were still in sin, Christ died for us so that we could experience the gift of eternal life so that instead of being hopeless, we could have hope. Instead of not having a future, we could have a future. Instead of our, our, instead of our mistake being fatal, it instead became just a platform to become the foundation of our praise. There is hope beyond our, our past. Our identity is not in our screw-up, and we need to be reminded of that in these times of uncertainty and of chaos. Hey, listen, if we're going to get back to the basics, the number one thing we got to do is we got to hang out with Jesus. We got to hang out with Jesus. Guys, more than anything, what I have learned over the last three years is that there are people who will be there for you. There are people who will be there for you. But even those people have lives of their own, right? But you know who will always be there for you? The guy who empowered you and who said, your failure is not your identity, but my name is. Jesus says, I'll always be there for you. I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Guys, over the next several weeks, Gary's going to walk you through the basics. You're going to talk about prayer. You're going to talk about Bible study. He's, gonna, he's smarter than I am, so he'll go into a lot more details. But man, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this this morning before I pray and before I close. As I was studying through this this week, the one thing that kept jumping off the page at me, 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 is that the pain of your past, the ashes of the past, is a platform for our praise. And I think every one of us in here, like I look around and I can see some of your faces, and I've gotten to know you over the last several years, and so I know some of your stories, and I think you can all agree man, what you thought was going to destroy you is the very thing that God used to raise you up to the place where you are now and you can face this life and praise him for it. And that, that is the basic and the hope that we have in Christ. That's the hope that the world needs in this time of uncertainty. Father, we love you and we thank you.